y'all. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Growing Up Gay with Vaughn and Malik. It is I, Young Vaughn. It is me, Young Malik. How y'all doing? And we hope you guys are doing well. Um, thank you guys so much for the feedback in regards to our latest episodes. Um, it's been really dope to see people like actually tell us they're listening to the show. Yes. Because, I mean, I know we see the numbers and we see what we're doing, but it, it's a whole nother story when people, like, comment, send emails, or, like, screenshot themselves listening to the episode. Really, really love that you guys are enjoying the content. Yes. We hope that you guys are um, getting your souls fed and are being entertained mm. and all that good mm. stuff. Super Soul Sunday. Um, come on, yeah. yes. Super Soul. We need a Super Soul. We need a, we need a Super Soul moment here. Don't we? Who should we have wants to do to lead us? To, I mean, we definitely can lead ourselves in a super soul moment, right. but I think it's always good, you know, to bring someone on. We need to put a pin in that one. A super soul. We still haven't had a guest. We have not had a guest. Which yet. that's something we are excited about bringing on in the um, new season of this sh- uh, the show. 2019. Coming 2019. Because, um, like I said on the last episode, we definitely want to make sure we incorporate. Uh, more people from the community because there's only so much we can talk about. <laughs> like, sooner or later, it's just going to be in Malik and I discussing, you know, nothing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't think that'll ever happen. But, no, that's not going to happen. Um, yeah. There are people... We actually have a lot of fun stuff planned. A lot of fun stuff planned. There are folks. Um, but Malik, how have you been in the past week or so? The past week, I've been really good. Um, I've been well. Forgive me. Get my English together. <clears throat> I've been really well. Um, I had a meeting today about a potential new job, so we're gonna keep our fingers crossed. Hey, you know, shout out to that. Just let's just put our energy out there. Let's just say <clears throat> it's gonna happen because I woke up a few weeks ago and I said I cannot work at the shop another motherfucking day again. Mm. And I literally got up and applied for I, I promise you at least 70 jobs that 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 morning. <laughs> like seriously. Like, I woke my black ass no. up and just started applying and I just was like I cannot because you know this show and everything that you know we're doing and, and that I'm doing in, in, in my personal life outside, outside of this is just about being authentic and I just can't continue to walk in anything that's not serving me that's not mm, you know that's purposeful right. and the job that i have right now the money is great it's really good i live a beautiful fabulous life that i want to live and i can do everything i want to do but that's not enough for me i want to actually enjoy the work that i do and so i was like you know what i have to really make some strides so um i had a job interview today it went really well this was the final interview so i should know oh come on final tomorrow or yes next week we, or we love we love a final interview yes like we love to hear you've moved on to the next step <laughs> right no that's real yeah, so that's real and um <clears throat> i should hear back soon um christmas is here doing some christmas shopping i'm not gonna go broke doing that um, Listen. I'm getting my sister Ugh. one thing, my other sister one thing, my brother one thing, my mom. Everybody, everybody's getting one thing from me, like Amory, one thing. Don't do her. She had more than one hit. We will fight. We will fight. Don't do Amory. That's one of my favorite flops. Well, listen, did, did y'all buy her most recent album? That's a different story. We weren't even discussing that. You don't got to go there, okay? But... All in all, you know, like I said, shit is shaking out. And I was at my therapist today 
and I was just talking about um, being authentic, and mm-hmm. that's that's just what I'm working towards, and 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 actually telling myself that the things that I say and the way that I feel it has value, it has weight. Like I deserve to be considered, and you know, mm. when you value your opinion, when you value yourself, when you value your being, everything else will reflect that the job you have, the friends you have, the relationship that you get into. Um, so, you know, I'm just trying to cultivate oneness within myself and, and make sure that everything is, is, is like reflecting how I feel on the inside. Everything on right. the outside. So, that's me. What you been doing, friend? Um, <clears throat> I've been trying to get my life together. Um, I feel like I'm in a constant state of getting my life together. Niggas, I'm one always one step away from jumping in front of the D train. But um, um, I think it's actually ironic that you mentioned that you woke up one morning and just uh, I I promise to God I did the same thing. I want to say maybe about a week ago. Um, a week ago, a week. I'm sorry, I <laughs> couldn't help it. <laughs> Um, I woke up at literally like 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m. and was like, ugh, I have to go to work today. And then I was like, you know what? Let me start applying. And I started applying for um, a few things myself. So uh, one of the things I applied for was a part-time job, as if I don't work enough already. Mm -hmm. Um, But I actually got that, and I'll be starting that actually this upcoming weekend, which is... um, the reason why I'm doing that, I'll explain further in my Get It Together. But, um, yeah, I, the the whole living in your truth and the whole, you know how you were talking about, like, being, you know, one yeah. with yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that conversation is really something that I've been having with myself for the past, I would say, three weeks straight, if not a month straight. Um, trying to figure out how I can get myself to that place in 2019 because um, there's a lot of... Uh, Especially with my job, there's a lot of, um, how do I word this accurately? (laughs) How do you put this? A bitch is tired. And um, the reality of it is, uh, as much as I've enjoyed working in the hospitality industry, it's not something that I'm passionate about, truly. And um, realistically, I know that I can't start all over. Um, but I have been contemplating, like, going back to school, maybe. Um, I've definitely been comp- contemplating a career, a field change. And I've been trying to put myself out there to see what's next. Because for the first time in, like, my whole and entire life, and I guess, you know what, we can just mosey on into the Get It Together because I keep, like, <laughs> I keep teetering into yeah. that. Um, so let me wrap up my week. My week has been good. It's been productive. I'm back on my bullshit, if you know, as they say. Um, <laughs> no, I really am. Like, I'm back in the gym. Um, I'm back to eating better um, and just making smarter decisions, drinking way more water, taking better care of my skin. Because um, whenever I'm in my feels, I tend to, to be destructive to myself. That's the first thing myself. that goes. All of your good, all right. your good shit. That's the first thing that goes out of the window. All the good behaviors. It's like, fuck it. I'm going to eat bad, do bad. Cause just, right, just exactly. Just because I feel bad. Right, so um, I'm finally out of that, and um, putting myself first in certain situations. So I'm good, but let's jump right because I keep when I tell you I keep teeter tottering right into that get it together. 
but I'm going to let Malik t- go right. take it over. So, you guys, this week's Get It Together is going to be titled, You Don't Know Me. And it's really about why it's important to be someone's friend first while dating. You know, mm. sometimes we meet people and we're like, this is the one. Oh, we had a first. I have we, never felt we that. We had the first date and I know this is going to be my husband, you know. Uh, but how many times after a hookup have you felt that way? How many times are you going to tell your best friend that this is the one? I know. Listen, hey, we all fall victim to it, like wanting and hoping and wishing to find that special person, right? But uh-huh. you have to really become someone's friend first. And it's like, why do we put so much emphasis on it? Generally, I think it's because it's a distraction from what you really, really, really need within your life, which is yourself, mm. right? But it really see the whole person. So, number one. Sex is not enough, you guys. If the sex is good, imagine how awesome it would be if they actually respected you and valued your body Ooh. as much as you value that good fuck. You know? <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah, <laughs> I promise you, it'll feel better if the person respected you and actually liked you as, as, as much as you like fucking them. All right? Or or just getting off on having a good date with them. Um, two, progression. Progression is key. You want things to progress naturally and wholly and authentically. You know, mm-hmm. a progression really allows you to date someone to find the dislikes and find the likes. You need time to assess if it's something that you want to be in. You know, how does this person handle conflict? How does this person handle when they're down and out? Like, you want to see that as a friend, like your best friend, for example. You know how they handle conflict. You know right. how they act when they're going through a hard time. And you can ask yourself, are these things that I'm okay with? Are these things that I want to be with long term? Like, we really tend to just, like, throw that out the window as if that doesn't matter. Like, oh, I'll worry about that later. We have chemistry. No, bitch. What you have is... <laughs> N- niggas, love, <laughs> niggas love having chemistry, don't they? <sighs> Motherfuckers love having so goddamn so much chemistry. Chemistry does not mean anything. Meanwhile, they didn't have chemistry. They were just horny. That's it. <laughs> like, That's it. Like, the chemistry will mean nothing if at the end of the day you hate how this person treats you. Like, just last week, we were talking about how you treat service people and how if you treat them bad, it's a no-go. Like, these are things that you can learn by just dating someone and having a natural progression, you know? And one of, I absolutely yeah, agree. and one of my last points I'm gonna make to you guys about getting it together and about being friends and taking your time of dating is when you are truly someone's friend first, you don't all the pressure of being your best self and putting your best foot forward is gone. Because it doesn't matter if this person doesn't like you because you can you're able to just take the guard down and truly let your hair down and truly just be who you are naturally right and there is no facade there is no front you can take there's no honeymoon phase it's none of that you can take the mask off because this is just your friend right. you have nothing to lose or gain and i think if we right. go in, i think if we go into situations realizing that hey there there truly are no expectations i have nothing to lose or gain in, in this situation except a potential new friend then it really does take the nervousness and the 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 want to front out of it out of the equation like it's just easy peasy 
nothing to be worried about and you can just have a good time right <clears throat> being friends gives you the opportunity to be free be who you are and choose if you want to be in a, be in, in, a, in a relationship with that person or not so get it together i think that is some great take advice. your time let it flow no expectations like Tony and last thing don't be afraid (laughs) don't be afraid to um, put things in a box for a certain amount of time and pick it up later you know you don't have to what do you mean by that sometimes we are really pressed to like categorize things and put legwork on things and and what is it Mm. I just went to Chicago last week um, to teach yoga which was so much fun and I was, the whole time I was, I was there, I was thinking like, oh, well, am I going to see my ex? Am I not going to see my ex? You know, like, what am I going to do? Am right. I going to spend time with him? And I was obsessing over it, right? And it came down to this for me. I did see him. But when I left, I was thinking, well, when I go to Chicago again in February, am I going to see him again? Like, wondering just what am I going to do? Like, what is the relationship? What is the relationship? What does it mean? Right. What place does he have in my life? <clears throat> in the actuality, none of that matters. I can put it away until I go to Chicago again. I don't have to spend my next month and a half until February thinking about, am I going to see him? Am I not? How about you just pick it back up when you book your plane to go to, to, go to Chicago and then say, hey, I don't think I'm going to see you this time. And that'd be the end of it. Everything doesn't have to be right now. Some things could just be later. So don't be afraid to put things in a box and say, hey, I will pick that up when it's time. Because everything doesn't have to be dealt with right now. That's real. That's real. I think a lot of that is really good advice. Um, <clears throat> I personally, again, I've never been in a relationship. Not a, a serious one, that is. But um, I do think it's best to take time to get to know someone first. I think the problem that most people have with that is... They, when they like someone or when they're into someone, they kind of want to jump to the next, whatever the next stage is. Um, and I don't think people give themselves, give themselves enough time to figure someone out before they call it a relationship, uh, which is why I think dating and courting is really, um, integral, um, to building a strong relationship. Because like I said, like you said, you kind of have to be friends with someone in order for things to like actually make sense and actually work. Yeah, you have to. Uh, it doesn't mean you'll love everything about them, but at least you'll know all the different sides of them before you like say, okay, I can do this or I can't do this. But a lot of people, they're so enamored by the dick or <laughs> by the butt or by, you know, the lifestyle or by the, you know, the persona the person may by have or just, or, or they might just be in a place where they aren't fulfilled and they're looking for some, or not fulfilled, I should say. Um, they're looking for somebody to just occupy their time or to distract them. And they know they don't want anything serious. They know they don't want anything real. Um, but then they find themselves with someone that wants something serious and wants something real. And they were never going to, you know, they were never really for, for all that. So it's, it is really important to, A, communicate clearly, and B, court each other take each other out be friends you know for a while even if that may be friends with benefits do what you can do what you got to do but be friends first and then you know take that next step and that's coming from a nigga that ain't never had a man so i mean like y'all can take that advice or not but like <laughs> it is what it's it is <laughs> it is what it is <laughs> um 
But my get it together for this week um, is hustle for what you want. Mm. Um, anyone that knows me much, you know, they always say Jamaicans have, you know, 50, 11 jobs. And we do. Um, we're very hardworking people. Um, but the reason why my get it together is, is hustle for what you want is I've come to a conclusion that, like, I'm not happy with where I am right now in life. Um, I actually had, like, a, a depressive month, if you will. I don't know what it was about, like, the whole Scorpio season was supposed to be, like, <laughs> if, if you... <laughs> I, okay, so I'm not 1,000%, uh, you know, subscribed to the whole horoscope thing, but I'm, I'm pretty deep. I'm, I'm, like, 93%. Like, I'm, like I'm almost, almost there. Yeah. Right. It's like I, I, I leased the car. I didn't quite buy it yet, <laughs> but I did lease it. <laughs> um, but everything that I was reading was saying how Scorpio season was supposed to be this life-changing, phenomenal, you know, peak moment for Scorpios. And it wasn't for me. Like, Scorpio season was by far the absolute worst, <laughs> the worst time of my life this year. Like, Scorpio season whooped my ass emotionally, mentally, fit, like, when I say Scorpio season, like, the whole, from literally the middle of October to maybe last week, I have been just in the worst space ever, like, to the point where, and I'm not a crier. Anyone that knows me, I don't cry easily. Um, <laughs> I'm just not a crier. Like, in the past five years, I've cried maybe, wait, let me not lie. Wow. <laughs> I've cried maybe five times or six times. Wow. Um, one was that. Well, okay, we're like we're gonna exclude when my cousins passed away because there was a lot of crying then. Sure. We're gonna exclude sure. that. But one was at my brother's wedding, cause my brother pr the preparation for a wedding is a lot, and it was a really dramatic time in my in like my family's life. My mother for like two for like two months, <laughs> my mother was not speaking to my brother, and she was like, "I am not going to the wedding. <laughs> y'all can go if y'all want to go," but she was like over it. Um, so at his wedding, they had you know the the, the bride dances with her father, and the groom dances with his mother, and they played mama by by boys to men Aww. and y'all oh that's so sweet i would have cried too seriously y'all i was like when i say boo hooing were you imagining yourself in that same moment no you know what it was because of everything that they had gone through to get to that wedding okay. and to look around and see all of our family there celebrating them and then to see my mom was so proud so because my mom <laughs> <laughs> My, let me, my mom low-key read me when <laughs> my brother <laughs> when my when her and my brother were arguing she was like this is the only wedding i'm ever gonna get and i was like bitch what the fuck is this? what's that supposed to mean you know somebody might want to put a ring on it one day like you know what i mean like i might get married <laughs> she low-key read me she's right though i don't think i'm ever gonna get married but it was just to see all the things that had they had gone through um to get to that moment was really beautiful and I, although I don't cry a lot, I am emotional. I just don't cry. But I am, I'm a Scorpio. I'm a water sign. And I'm all water. Like, my everything is in water over here. Like, the rising, the ascending, all, everything is water. So I'm, you know, I just, I'm usually good at keeping my emotions on the inside. That's where they live. Masking. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I can mask it. Um, so that was one time. But a few weeks ago, I had, like, 
a moment. <laughs> like, I had a moment where I was just kind of reflecting on things, and I started... Cr- it was, like, t- 3 a.m., and I was bawling, like, bawling about just life and, like, where I am and how I don't I haven't achieved a lot of things that I thought I was going to achieve by my age and how... Um, basically, like, shit is just not popping. Like, I thought life was going to look a certain kind of way. And I think because I had lost my wallet, my wallet got stolen from me, and that was a real Gucci wallet, y'all. Mm. Whew. Um, I was just kind of, I just kind of felt like everything bad was happening and there wasn't anything that I could do to control it. You know what I mean? Like I felt helpless and I had, I had never in my life gotten to a point where like I, A, didn't know what I wanted out of life and B, didn't, cause I'm a planner. I've, I've said that plenty of times on here. I'm a plan. I already have 2019 planned out till March. I am a planner. Okay. So for the first time I found myself in a place where it was like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't even know if I want to be in New York. I'm moving here might have been a mistake. Mm. Um, just I wasn't happy across the board. And I was like, I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to get myself out. And I no longer had like the, the whole optimistic, oh, things are going to happen. and gonna, Like I did, that was gone. <laughs> like that shit left the building. And the first thing, the, the kind of most integral part of it was my career. And I was like, I don't... Because for... I'll be very transparent. For up until like 25, I swore to God I was going to work for Rihanna. I was like, this is going to happen. Even in high school, I was like... Because growing up, I wanted to be like a doctor and then a lawyer. And then I was like, oh, I want to be a singer because of Britney Spears. I was like, oh, I want to be that. But I want my mic to be turned on. No <laughs> so I was like... I want to be that. And then as I got older, I was like, yeah, I don't want to be a singer, um, but I want to be a creative director. And for the longest while, like, that was my thing. I thought I was going to be a creative director. I said I was going to be a creative director. And then I was like, hmm, how exactly does one become a creative director? And, like, I looked into it, and it was, like, all these – there was, like, no concrete answer. I just saw that, like, the majority of creative directors started out as, like, dancers or stylists. I'm not a stylist. <laughs> and although I can, you know, I can Twerk. I can jig. jig. You can you know wine. I mean? like you I can, can wine. I can bust a little something. But I'm not a, clearly not a dancer. So I was like, I don't know how the fuck this is going to happen. So I found myself to a place where I was like, I'm no longer optimistic about working for Rihanna. That shit's a dub. Um, working in hospitality is a dub. <laughs> like... And I was like, I don't know what to do next. And I had never in my life been in a place where I just, I felt kind of worthless and didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, So I kind of, after throwing myself, like I said, (laughs) a pity party and um, being depressed, which was another thing. I never, I never liked to claim the, the title depressed or suffering with depression because I always felt like depression was this thing where it was like you can't get out of bed you can't go to work you're you're like immobile like you can't do anything and i don't know about y'all but the rent is due the first yes. <laughs> every single month yes. regardless of whether my black ass gets out of this bed or not the rent is still due <laughs> so i i've all i've never been in that state where it's like i can't move like i've always been able to like push through and get over things and kind of talk myself through things and say okay you're not happy but things will get better. So after, like I said, I, I had my, my moment, I had a real conversation with myself where it was like, okay, 
what are the things in life that you can fix? Like, you can't go back in time and fix the things that, you know, you should have done better. But, like, what is it that you can do to make sure that six months from now you're not saying, damn, I wish six months ago I would have, or damn, last year I wish I wouldn't, I, you know, I would have done this differently. So I sat down with myself, and I, I, like I said, Word documents and Excel spreadsheets are my life. <laughs> I created a, I call it Manifest 2019. Okay. It's this, all the things that I want to do in 2019, all the places I want to be, that's mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, um, all the things that I, I want to achieve in 2019, that I will achieve in 2019, not want to, that I will achieve in 2019. I curated that list, and I started practic- thinking of practical ways to make some of these things happen. And one of those things is getting another job. Um because where I'm at now, the pay is great. Um, I don't need a second job, which is a beautiful thing. Me and my, <laughs> I was talking to my best friend earlier, and she was like, because we have a trip planned for January, and she was like, what if they don't give you the time off? I was like, well, girl, I'll just let them know that, <laughs> you know, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for your services. <laughs> and like, <laughs> bye. <laughs> like, and I'm out of here because, girl, I don't need y'all. Y'all don't pay my rent. Like, this is a part, I have a part-time job now. So on top of working my full-time job, I got a part-time job um, just to bring in any extra money because, like I said, there's a lot of things I want to do next year, and those things cost money. And although my job does pay really well, um, and I'm thankful for that, I still want to make sure I'm, like, super good financially, especially because one of the things I want to do a lot next year is travel, and it can be costly. It is costly. So, (laughs) yes. Yeah, I, I know. I'm trying to be coy. Um, although, bitch, there's some really cute ways to get around paying a, like, super lot of money for traveling. Um, we probably need to do an episode on that, like, little travel hacks and stuff. I have some or, like, sure. a segment. I definitely have a something lot of travel like hacks. Me too. But, um, so, yeah. So, I got myself a part-time job. Um, so, I mean, anyone that knows me knows I already don't have time to do anything. Nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> like, literally. But, um, you know, holla at your, your girl in March. And we can go out then because March, April is when I plan on throwing the Medusas. So I'll have, because, you know, it'll be warm. I mean, no one wants to go anywhere in the cold anyway. So, like, it'll be warm. You know what I mean? So it's like I no longer want to be busy because it's warm. <laughs> like, I want to do stuff. So, but, yeah. What are hustle you- for, that's, that's, that's my get it together. I said all that to say hustle for what you want. Whatever you want out of life, wherever you are right now, despite if you're happy or not. Know where you want to be and hustle for what you want. Think of the practical ways, the practical things that you need to do to get yourself to where you want to be and do those things. If it's lose weight, think of the practical things you need to do and start giving up the things you need to give up and, and, you know, start doing the things you need to do to get there. If it's financially, look over your finances, be very practical and be very stern with yourself. Think to yourself, do you need that Starbucks? Mm. No. Do you need that Chick-fil-A? Do you need, do you need that Chick-fil-A? No. Can you meal prep and save yourself some money? Because I know plenty of adults that, that spend money on groceries and then don't eat half of them because they're eating out. Yep. Chill. So in life in general, especially as we're rolling into the new year, don't you don't have to wait until the new year. I'm not. I've already started, like I said. Because um, January 1st don't mean shit, but January 1st. That's it. The rent is but, due. Uh, hello? <laughs> like, that's about it. So as 2019 is approaching, 
go ahead and curate your manifest 2019 list and think of all the things that you need to do to get yourself to where you want to be where you want to be low down yes and remember although you're working you're manifesting things never forget to check in yourself and say i'm grateful for everything that i've done amen because gratitude is at the core of every single component of your life if you don't check in and say i'm grateful for everything that i've done whether you feel bad because here's the thing depression is just one part of the human experience and it's a very small part when you think about how great and how big and full your life is it's a small part and we get depressed we get sad we want better for ourselves but we still have to go back and say shit damn it look how fucking far i've come like look at all the great things i've done and that is just as important as planning and manifesting checking back in and saying i'm grateful for the things that i have and the things that i've already done I absolutely agree. And ironically, because, um, you know, like you said, depression, it can envelop your whole life and it can feel like, because like I said, for those two months, I felt like, whew, child, the ghetto. Like, I really felt like, who <laughs> Chile, the ghetto. the ghetto. Like, I really felt like, I, I'll be very honest. I was like, yo, if I die tomorrow, I'll be happy because, yeah. like, that's this shit, that's real. trying to make myself happy, who needs to do that? I could just, like, jump in front of the D train. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, it'll be okay. Like, it'll be a wrap. Like, I won't have to strive for anything. I want, because I think my, the, the thing with me is I want so much out of life. Yeah. That, like, it's hard to, like, not have it at my fingertips or not exactly know how to get to it, but knowing that I want it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but ironically, being grateful was one of the things, stepping back and being grateful was one of the things that kind of calmed me because I was able to say, okay, you know, shit isn't that bad. Like, you're, you're, there's things for you to be grateful. I mean, I've always wanted to live in New York. I manifested that. I made that shit happen. I never, I never, like. And look how quick moving, it happened. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Moving to New York wasn't something that I planned. I don't know if anyone, I've, I don't know if I've shared this on here, but, like, this wasn't something that I planned. It really wasn't. Um, I was not applying for jobs. I was not saving to move to New York. None of that. Um, my whole moving to, your, to New York process happened in literally five days. Yep. I got reached out to by the, the company that I work for. They said they heard about me, wanted to interview me, et cetera, et cetera. Interviewed over the phone. My job had been looking for two months for a new manager. Two months. And in a matter of four days, I spoke with everyone from the GM to my director and was offered the job over the phone. I flew to New York a week and a half later and was living here. So it was not... <laughs> like this this really this was I always say God placed me here. I don't know why. Yeah. Don't know what for. Don't know what he wants to teach me, what experiences he wants to bring me on or through, but he wanted me here and I'm here. And it's for you. I always right. And I always like when I got my first job in hospitality, again, was not ever planning on working in hospitality. Like hotels to me were just hotels as a Jamaican. I have tons of family that's just worked in hotels. It's kind of like fast it's like fast food in the Caribbean. Working at a hotel is kind of like fast food. Um, it's like a thing that pretty much everyone has done, but they not that many people stayed there, if you will. Um, so I never, when I took, when I got my first hospitality job, the first thing I said was, ooh, this place is not where I need to be. <laughs> I I deserve to work around luxury clientele, and I deserve, like, to be at, like, a premier property. And my, my best friend reminded me of that. She was like, yo, I remember when we used to have our discussions at the desk, because I was a front desk agent. 
Um, and she used to be like, used to say it. Like, and now I work for the flagship property for my brand, you know, at one of the top hotels in New York. And I'm around the kind of clientele I always wanted to be around. Granted, I've realized that this shit still not doesn't make me happy, but I did technically. And I did that in four years, which is crazy. Huge. Like really three and a half, really three and a half years, which is insane. So, you know, like you said, sometimes you have to step back and be grateful and, you know, yeah, make shit happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but with that being said, we're going to take a little break and we'll be right back with y'all. Okay, so this week's Growing Up Gay, um, if you are a new listener or a first-time listener, the Growing Up Gay segment is where we kind of discuss the bulk of the show. That's the, it's the heart of the show, if you will. Um, But for this week, I wanted to discuss microaggressions. Um, As gay black men, I think we deal with microaggressions on like a multitude of levels because we deal with them in the black community. We deal with them in the gay community. We deal with them in society in general. Like, so it's it's kind of like, you know... We get it from every angle. Every angle <laughs> times five. Like, literally. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it's it's a lot. Um, So, we both work in, in more corporate environments. Mm-hmm. And what kind of sprung... <laughs> what kind of sparked this was... Um, there was a new manager that just started at my property and she sucks plain and simple. She's never going to hear this. So I'm not going to say her name or anything, but she's just not good. She's one of those kind of people that you're like, you get offended that they have the same title that you do Uh, because you're like, bitch, if, she, if they hired you, it's like bitch, we're not the same, ho. Come on now. If they hired me, how is this? A, like how? Like how is this? What? what is this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Right. Like there's a glitch in the simulation. <laughs> like how, how? How did you get through the same door that I had to get through? Yeah. Um. But anyway, um, I gave her, and I always tell people I'm huge on energy. Like I'm, I'm. I always say if I don't like someone. Like, based off of, like, meeting them, or not even meeting them. It could be through over the internet. If something about a person turns me off, it's always them and never me. Because I'm super welcoming. And I I don't say that to be, like, facetious or anything. But, like, I literally would rather be uncomfortable than make anyone else uncomfortable. So I always put myself... I always give everyone the benefit of the doubt. And I always am willing to see everyone for where they are and operate in a way that makes them happy. That's just my natural state. Like, that's why I've never ever gotten to an argument with anyone, like in a workplace. I've never like, never gotten to any kind of work issues with anyone because I'm, I just, I tend to curate an environment where people are happy. Even if it means I'm not that happy, if everyone else is fine, because I, like I always say, I can deal with my emotions. I do not want to deal with yours. So, when she started, she, I could tell off the bat, she didn't come from like luxury property or luxury property, which is fine. You know, everyone can level up like Sierra wants us to. <laughs> um, so I was trying to like show her around and like give her, you know, the ropes and all that stuff. And she just wasn't very receptive to any of it. And I was like, okay, everyone learns differently, et cetera, et cetera. I gave her chance after chance after chance. And then I realized she's lazy. Now, one thing I can't deal with is a lazy bitch. 
I can't, you can't be lazy. Like, I work entirely too hard for me to allow anyone in my work sphere to be lazy. There's entirely too much going on for that. So when I realized she was lazy, it, it was a big, like, eh, to me. But like I said, I was like, okay, maybe her property was, was relaxed. She doesn't know better. Again, let me try. And because, again, she's asking for advice, et cetera, et cetera. So one day I had just had enough. She was trying to make one of our um, coordinators do her job for her. And that coordinator had already been there for 10 hours. And that person is an hourly employee, which means now you're going into overtime and you're fucking up my payroll Mm -hmm. and I help do payroll. So you're no. So I started, you know, like discussing with her, like, you know, here's advice on how your shift can be easier if you do these things. And she doesn't take advice. Well, so she started like being very combative with me. And I was like, okay, you know, this isn't really going anywhere. So I was trying to explain to her and she starts doing the, well, why are you yelling at me? thing? I'm not yelling. And literally, I looked around the office like, what? She pulled the why are you attacking me card. Exactly. Just because I was combating what she was saying. I was like, no, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Like, if if you do these things, because I, I come from working that shift, here's advice. I know it sucks. I know what part of it is hard. Here's how I maneuvered it and was successfully able to do it for four you months. You gave her some best practices. Right. And she was very combative. And she was like, well, you're yelling at me. And I was like. What? Is, is what? She's black person. She's white. Okay. She's she's a Eastern European woman in her forties, and I guess being uh you know a young black man. Not I guess I know, and that's one thing I've always been cognizant of the fact that I'm a black man, and I've always been cognizant of the fact that that makes other people uncomfortable. Like I always like even when I'm walking home sometimes. I'll be walking behind someone and they get like uncomfortable and I <laughs> I have to kind of like go out of my way to let them know that it's okay. Yeah. Like it's it's even like it's funny cuz even when I get on the elevator at work sometimes like you'll have these women and they're of course you know they're there with their Birkin bags and their you know you know their Gucci their you know et cetera, et cetera, and they'll grab their bag on the elevator. Mm-hmm. And it's so insulting to me because it's like, A, I'm wearing a name tag with my full-ass government name. B, there's cameras. C, I'm at work in a suit. Yeah. I'm not going to steal from you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's in, that's. But those are some of the microaggressions we have to deal with in, in society, especially in the workplace. Can you share some of the ones that you've had to deal with? The first time I ever dealt with this, I was <clears throat> really young. I think I was like 14, maybe 15 or maybe young. Wow, you had a. Did you have a job that young? No. Oh, okay. I didn't have a job, but I dealt with microaggression that young. Okay. I was leaving Publix, <clears throat> and with come my on, Publix. Dad, I love Publix. Who doesn't love Publix? Come on now. I left. I left Publix with my dad. He was still in the store. It was nighttime, and I decided to go to the car early. Then, then, then he did, and so I'm walking to the car, and there's a white woman, uh, who walks out ahead of me, and she looks back at me and once she sees that I'm walking in her direction she then begins to jog to her car. She gets in her car slams the door and then proceeds to watch me as I cross the parking lot to get into my car and she never even drove off. She never drove off she just sat in her car and watched 
And then my dad got in the car and then we drove off. But it just, it was the first time I realized that there was something there that I wasn't just a regular, you know, preteen boy. That right. I quickly realized that, you know, this woman obviously feared right. me. And what made it worse for me was that she didn't even like run to her car, get in and drive off in panic. She ran to her car, unlocked the door, got in and watched me like I was an animal, you know? And it was the most scariest thing being in a teenage body wondering like, wow, like you really fear me. You really think I'm going to do something to you. Like I, I just, I just could like see her right now, like, walking to her car, grabbing her purse tightly and getting in the car and just watching me. And then, you know, I was able to really identify that, wow, there's something here when it comes to my blackness and white people. Right. Because I, you know, black people aren't afforded childhoods. Um, We don't have, we don't get the, 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 that experience um, as far as how society looks at us from the minute Mm -hmm. we are, you know, maybe eight or seven were dangerous. Yeah. Even before then, honestly, because mm-hmm. um, yeah. I have I have a uh, a similar experience. Um, it well, similar in in sense of how things panned out. Um, in the neighborhood that I grew up in in Fort Lauderdale, shout out to the nine five four to seven five zero. You know what I mean? My little three hundred five, all of that. Um, there was my. The, the community was, like, major, uh, majorly white. Like, the majority of the people in our neighborhood were white, um, at least when we moved there. It was probably, like, 90% white, you know, a smooth 4% black, <laughs> 4% Hispanic, and then 2% Asian. Um, and the police in, in South Florida, in Florida general, um, I think it's funny because Florida is, is such a melting pot of a city. Uh, well, not city, I'm sorry, a state. Miami. Um, well, no, Florida in general is a melting pot of a state, but but it's still very oppressive and it's still very white and 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 racist, quite frankly. And my brother, I, admittedly, was a bit of a troublemaker. He got himself into things that he shouldn't have and partook in things that he shouldn't have, and he he built um, a bit of a reputation for himself. Um, good and bad, <laughs> but mostly bad as far as authorities go. Um, but I'll never forget, I was eight years old, coming off of the school bus, um, walking home with my friends, and a police officer who was notorious for kind of harassing my my brother and my family, um, later my family. At this point, he hadn't really started messing with us as a family unit yet. Um, he was messing mostly with my brother. Um I'll never forget this. My friends and I were walking home. And like I said, my friends were at that point were mostly white. Um, I had one, well, two black friends, at least in my neighborhood at school. I had black friends, but in my neighborhood, I only had one other black friend and two Hispanic friends. And then the rest of the crew was white. And it was like 10 of us. We were all walking home, joking, laughing, playing around. And the cop pulled up, um, and I didn't know him. I didn't. I had no clue who he was at that point. Um, but he. I remember him driving by really slowly and winding down the window. And he started like yelling out the window, like, "Hey, hey, you, you!" 
and none of us knew who he was talking to because like <laughs> we're children <laughs> so we had i had no clue who he was talking to. he's like i see you boy you ignoring me and that's when i kind of figured he was talking to me because he started like pointing out the window towards me and i'll never forget it I had on my uniform and my big backpack my little jansport backpack and i remember like looking at him like what are you talking about and he was he literally said to me i can't wait to arrest you wow you know he said you're going to jail just like your brother and wow. i remember being tra- like paralyzed because i was like a yeah. it didn't connect to my head that he knew who my big brother was but like i remember him saying I can't wait to arrest you. You're going to be just like your big brother. I can't wait to. And I was literally eight. So to have this big white man say that to me, I wasn't afraid of him. I didn't say anything back. I just knew to keep walking. I don't, I just walked. And he, he literally followed me to my, my house and like watched me go into my house. And I remember sharing that story with my mom, like, months later because it was it was so weird that i didn't know how to feel about it and i didn't know if i should yeah. even say anything because i was like I, I never told my dad either about what yeah happened it was like, i didn't tell my mom that story until literally months later and and my mom was so pissed um but that's that's a part of our experience as young as young black men that's a reality i i, I remember vividly even after that because like i said i grew up in an area that was predominantly white and even like my friends, some of their parents, like I have my one of my best friends, EJ. Her father was racist. <laughs> like, no, no beating around the bush. He did not. Which was funny because both of his his kid, his white daughters dated men of color, black and Hispanic. <laughs> um, but I remember it was so weird. He did not let me inside their house <laughs> for years, like years. Mind you, this was my best friend for like seven years. Um, and he wouldn't, we never were in, allowed inside her house. Like her white friends would be allowed inside, but we weren't, and we didn't, at that point, we didn't realize that's what it was. It was just kind of, especially cause I think most of us were boys and she hung around with a lot of boys. We thought it was like a boys thing, but then like her boyfriend was white and he was allowed in the house. And, um, it wasn't until the year before I moved to, to Atlanta that I was allowed in her house for the first time. And it was because her dad was drunk. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he let us in. And he was like, you know, you boys ain't that bad. Oh, and, wow. And we were looking around like, what does that even mean? Like, we've never been bad. We're all like straight A's. <laughs> At least I was a straight A student. Like, we, none of us ever got in trouble. We fought a lot. But, like, we weren't bad. <laughs> like, it was... And I'd never even pieced that together until I was way older that like, yo, this man was like really racist. And we, we weren't even cognizant of the fact that he was hardcore, like racist. Um, and the one time we were, and it was so funny because the same night he allowed us in the house, me and my friends, he allowed my older brothers in the house. Cause he was, he was just drunk as shit. And they were like throwing like a party or whatever. And he was just like my brother. And I remember like them coming up home and being like they had brought back food from the party or whatever and i was like he let y'all in the house too like like oh he must have really been like (laughs) gone because his his normal state was not that was not that at all um so can you think of any other times that as a black man you've had to deal with microaggressions especially as we've gotten older 
I mean, at work all the time. I have a colleague, and she works like we're in two totally different pay grades. I'm bitch Beyonce. <laughs> you are motherfucking Rita Ora. Like, come on. Not Rita Ora. Is she a yeah. paid intern? <laughs> like, what is? If you're Beyonce, and she's Rita Ora. She must be an intern, an unpaid intern. Like but. this, this woman. She she sets up. A, she does support work. She does. She supports my team. Right. Her job is to do back end operation support work. Like, like after we seal the deal and, and open it up and decide what what the customer is going to do and what what the contract is. Her job is to just do the administrative portion. Right. So. Um, there was a time where I forgot to send a, a, a certain document with this new account that my team was setting up. She comes over to my area and she says, Malik, you know, well, actually, before she does this, she sends me an email and the email says, in all caps, mind you, ooh. you forgot to attach XYZ document. Oh, I'm like, oh. I, I'm like Bitch, who the fuck are you emailing? And Bitch, you know you could have said that to me directly. You didn't have to CC every fucking body. You didn't have to reply all ho. You could have just said that to I'm me like, Whoa, directly. Okay, this, is, like, <laughs> this shit has gone too far. Yeah. So she walks over, and she's like, "Um, did you get my email? Like almost like trying to like like school me, check me. Right, trying to be like and I sassy. Look at her and I say, I. And I say I did, and she says, "Yeah, you know you can't." Just not submit it to me. I need these documents. I, and I said, insert her name. I said, do you think that you should be emailing me in caps and coming over to me and telling me what to do? And she just looked at me. And she had this look on her face like. Puzzled. She was puzzled. Ma- like maybe I shouldn't come over here and tell you what to do. And her last word to me. She said, well, you know. I mean, I thought that you and I had had this conversation before. I thought you knew. And she leans in to my area. And she says, so just next time, you know, just remember to send it to me. Capiche? And she taps me on my shoulder. No. Listen, don't touch me. She taps me on my shoulder. No, Masa, don't touch me. Like I was a dog or something. Like, uh -uh. you get it? You got it, good boy? And I had never felt more... Me would I tell her about herself. That's a stinking bitch. <laughs> I go, never felt I was mortified. Go wash up stinking front. I don't I don't play that shit. Like this old and, and, nah. and she's an older white woman. I was mortified that this older white woman had came over to me, wrote me in caps, then walked over to me and tapped me on my shoulder and said, Capiche. Capiche. As if she had schooled me on something. My and girl, go find yo. And in my mind, I just I, I was just, I was shocked. I was frozen. And I was thinking to myself, what do I do? What do I say? Do I complain about this? Do I go off of her? And I just didn't do anything because I was like, you know what? Is it worth it? You mm-hmm. know, like, is it worth me getting an attitude? Because no one's going to understand. Yeah. Everyone's just going to say, oh, that's just how this person is. Or, just, or worse, they're going to say you're overreacting. You're overreacting. It's okay. It, you know, just shake it off. And, and make sure next time you send her the document that she needs. When, no, that's not the case. The case is, bitch, respect me. Decorum, ha- respect. Decorum and tact. Tact. Come on. Absolutely. Like, you don't walk over to someone and tap them on the shoulder and say, capiche, as if you have, you know, schooled them and informed them. No. And I just, and I, 
just felt really shitty. Yeah. Knowing that she got away with it. Mm-hmm. And knowing that, you know, it wouldn't be the the, the last time that she right. would do something like that to someone else. Because she was comfortable being that way. She's she, she's comfortable that way. And, yeah. and, and I'm not the only person of color in the office that she has offended and rubbed the wrong way. There are a million stories of people in the office that have told me how they've had to read her, read her their rights. Like other black women in the office have said, oh yeah, right. that woman right there is the devil. And I think it's actually interesting that you brought up that point because when I, and it's ironic, I've worked, you know, I've had a job ever since I was 21, which is really isn't that long. It's only five years. Right, but <laughs> it's not that it's not gonna be working forever. I, I wasn't allowed to get a job earlier than that because my parents didn't allow it. Um, but this property I'm at now is the first time that I've ever had to deal with like at least full on microaggressions. Like I've always had to deal with like little bitty things, but I in Atlanta I could, I can say I was blessed to work around a lot of people of color. Um, I mean, I definitely had to work with white people. But a lot of a lot of um, the people that I had to deal with on a daily were, were definitely people of color. Um, and, but with this property was different. And it's it's funny that you brought up other races because one of the first people that I had to deal with microaggressions with was a Latin woman, and not even a European, uh, a Euro Latin woman. Yeah, she is someone now. She's not of African descent. I don't think. But she definitely looks more Indian, uh, I'm sorry, native, not Indian, native. Um, she's Mexican and Ecuadorian, and she looks native, right? She, ha- she has a lot of, you know, that look. So it's not like it's an Afro-Latina that, that it got shit fucked up. <laughs> um, I just want to clarify. Um, and she was so, and I always say there's a lot, uh, women tend to have the little woman complex, at least little women. Little yeah. women who are managers, directors, especially in the world of hospitality, and I say especially hospitality because a lot of them started out as uh, front desk agents or co-worker, uh, housekeepers, or kind of at the, the bottom of the, the workforce, if you will. The, a lot of them that have been able to work their way to the top tend to have this little woman complex, um, and I get it. Right, you you work around a lot of men and a lot of um, um, larger people. Larger people <laughs> in general, right? So you kind of feel the need to ex- exert yourself, and I've had to deal with this with an Asian woman once, who is now a um, a friend of mine. <laughs> um, I had to deal with it with her as well, but with her it was a lot in more innocent, and it was a lot less spiteful and 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 evil, right? At this property, this was in this woman's nature. She was kind of, well, not kind of. She was a bully to a lot of the managers. And she thought she was going to be able to be that with me. And the way she started throwing her microaggressions at me was with my name. Right? I'm used to people misspelling my name. I'm used to people mispronouncing my name. I get it. I don't have a very ethnic name, which is the irony. But the way my mother chose to spell it is very Jamaican. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's actually far more simple than how other people spell it. But whatever the, the case may be. when you spell is. it, it's very obvious. But that's Thank you. Thank you so much. Because I, I think so, too. But anyway, um, that was the first thing she started doing. She started 
messing up my name purposely and would joke around about my name. And because I have to, I've always had to deal with that. I just let it go. Right. Um, then she started showing me how to do my job. Oh my God. Which (laughs) you're literally describing the woman I'm talking about. (laughs) The same exact shit, which is not something I like when people do. Now, if you're giving me advice on how you've done my job, great. If you're showing me how to do my job, not great. Because if I'm doing my job, that means I've learned how to do my job. If you're, if but if you're giving me advice, I'm open to that. I'm, I'm I want to learn from from those that have done my, my job before, et cetera, et cetera. But if I'm performing and performing well at that, producing numbers and and getting performance from the staff that you can't get you can't then tell me how to do do my job because if that was the case baby girl mm. they would have had you doing it but they purposely assigned me certain things because of how well i work with people and you don't so that was two three was she tried to publicly publicly embarrass me right and like i said on the last episode in regards to dating i don't deal with disrespect i don't care who you are I don't care if you're my director. I don't care if you're my GM. I don't care if you are... And I don't care who you are. I don't allow disrespect. I don't... Across the board, I just do not allow it. Um, and she... And, and the reason why... How I found out that she was actually gunning for me was um, one of our coordinators was in a group text and the, the manager didn't realize that the coordinator was in that group text. So she started dragging the coordinator and I oh. and was literally plotting against us without realizing the coordinator was in that text. When she, once she realized, she called the coordinator immediately and said she she apologizes and she wasn't serious and how, you know, she doesn't want us she doesn't want the coordinator to misunderstand what oh. was what was said in the text. Now the coordinator is also a woman of color. She's um She's Middle Eastern and black. Um, and how, um, you know, she know she knows that she loves her and da 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 and, and she specified to her not to let me know what she saw in the group text. But because I'm me, and of course, you know, niggas love, niggas love young Vaughn. You know what I mean? Like yes. I, I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They love me. So she showed me because me and her are mad close. And I said I could feel, I, and I said it to her. I said from the minute I started working there, I could feel this tension. I could feel her energy because, like I said, I'm really receptive to energy, and I just knew something about her was off. So, she's basically similar to your thing. There was an I sent out like my pass on email for the night. She replied to this email, trying to go through each portion of my pass on and correct, and <sighs> and 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 and, and um, trying to see like points where I could have slipped, etc. And she cultivates this whole thing and sends it out and CCs our GM and our room exec on it. Right? So I come to work, I get up the next day and, I, and I'm preparing myself for work and I got a text from one of, my, one of the other managers. She's like, yo, did you see the pass on? And I'm like, that I sent? I was like, did I misspell something or something? And she's like, nah, like, go check. <laughs> and she's a white girl, too. So even she's like, whoa, like, what the hell? She's gunning for you. 
She, I go check, and I'm heated. Heated. Because one thing about me, if nothing else, I do the fuck out of my job. Yeah. Even at points when I hate that place and I'm over it and I don't want to be there, I always perform. It's not in my nature to not perform. And I mean, I came, I went to work stri- two days with the flu straight. Didn't call out sick. Although now I regret that because now I'm losing sick days. Whatever. Um, <laughs> but I always perform. Like always. Always rise to any occasion. Always. And I'm heated. So <laughs> me being me, I know I'm cognizant of the fact that I'm a big black man. I, I'm 6'2". Like I, I can't just storm into the office and and get her together. So I replied to her email debunking every single thing that she tried to debunk with screenshots and like receipts on top of receipts on top of like to the point where I even went into her, her, her pass on from when she left the AM shifts and got her together for some of the things that like I, cause I am the, I always tell people I'm the nicest person alive, but I am a bitch when you get on my bad side. I will make your whole existence miserable if I have to, if you push me there. So I'm, you know, after I do that, I start getting the text and the emails like, oh shit, <laughs> which is funny because at each property I go to, I kind of like tend to, I've developed, I tend to develop a, a, <laughs> a, um, or a rapport or not a rapport. What's the word that I'm looking for? I tend to develop a, the title of like a clapback. Like Mr. Clap, like at my in Atlanta they call me Mr. Clapback because I would always clap back at email in emails, or whatever the case may be. And and I like now now they call me uh, Shilo, which is a joke because one of the coordinators Shilo, her and I share the same birthday, and she's like Mrs. Get people together, <laughs> so they call <laughs> me Shilo as in like the male Shilo. <laughs> so she sees me on the elevator now, and she comes to me and she's like, oh. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I just saw your pet and I wasn't, da, da, da. and she's like trying to like apologize. And I said, I said, stop. You don't need to do this. Let's make two things very clear. One, I do my job well. Two, you and I aren't friends. You don't need to apologize for anything you said or done. I see you. Just know that you now see me. And I got off on the floor. And I said, have a great day. Bye-bye. And since that day, when I tell you, <laughs> like, we barely spoke to one another. I mean, she would say hello and I would say good evening. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Like, it was very bare minimum. Very, like, <laughs> and she never, ever. And the, th- the thing was, the other manager that I said, the white girl that was like, oh, shit, you need to go see the pass on. She had been bullying that girl for literally a year wow so when i came and i got her together she that white girl was like wow i've never seen anything like this <laughs> like i because other managers have literally left because of her yeah so to see that she was trying to like bully me and trying to use like my because she literally joked about m- my blackness in, in the in the group text, and that was what had that coordinator so heated because she was like, do you not realize I'm a black woman as well? Like, I'm a, a Middle Eastern, but I'm a black Middle Eastern woman. 
and you're trying to talk about like maybe they should have hired the white guy because that's what she said oh damn right that's deep right that's 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 real deep and i'm like you're a spanish woman like why would you want some white man anyway it doesn't make any doesn't make but that those are some of the microaggressions that we've had to deal with in regards to our race um but malik and i and i'm sure many of the people that listen to this are queer right yeah which is a whole nother, <laughs> a whole nother, nother clusterfuck itself. itself. Yeah. So, what are some of the, the the microaggressions you've had to deal with as a queer black man? I remember, I had to deal with there, and this there's this guy. Um, I was working at Macy's, and he was a manager, and he was gay, but he was one of those gays that didn't want to be gay. I guess like like a low-key gay, but everyone knew he was gay. He was quote-unquote discreet. <laughs> he, was, he was discreet, right? And I was 18, um, fresh on the scene, having a good time, working at Macy's at Lenox Square Mall. Like, come on. Like, I'm having a good time. Like, I still was in high school. Like, I was in high school working at Macy's as a Ralph Lauren specialist, making a lot of money. So I was having a lot of fun. Right. I was out, um one weekend and I saw this manager, right? I saw the manager out at a party and he did not want to be seen. <laughs> he did not want to be seen. I mean, he was like so displeased that I saw him. So I go over, I'm always I'm like, if I see you and I know you, I'm going to speak to you. Right. So I go over, um, obviously I, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't able to gauge that he, he didn't want to talk to me, but I go over and I'm like, Hey, how are you? Like, you have a good time? Like just making small talk. And he's like, yeah, I'm well, like just very like resistant to engage me. I'm like, Oh, okay. Obviously something is not quite right here. So anyway, I, I leave the conversation and I, I, I left it alone. Well, I get to work later on in the week and I'm talking in like in a group setting with a group of people, a group of colleagues. And some people report to him. I never mm-hmm. reported to him. I reported to a different manager. So I'm talking to some of his people and some, some of my people. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I was out the other day and I saw Vincent out. And they're like, you saw Vincent? And immediately, everyone's like, oh, where'd you see him at? What was he doing? <laughs> I was just about to say, you know that that inflection is the messiest of all inflection. Oh. Oh. You saw so-and-so? Yeah. <laughs> That's how yeah. you know it's a mess. Off that. That's how you, you know it's, okay. it's so, a mess. Right. And I obviously was too naive to know that I was feeding into the bullshit. Right. But um, I, I'm i telling these people that I saw Vincent out at a party that I was at. And, and we chatted. And that was it. Well, later in the day, Vincent says, can I please speak with you? Oh, shit. And Vincent pulls me in a room, and he's like, so are you going around telling folks that you saw me at a party? And I'm like, I did see you at a party. <laughs> Bitch, I didn't lie. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, well, if if we have any more occurrences where you're telling my personal business, we're going to have to go down to HR and settle this. What? And, and I'm like. Oh, he must, I, have been D- he must have been DL. No, he was not DL. But the thing was not HR. People, <laughs> the thing was people at people at work were trying to figure out if, if he was gay or not. If he was gay or not. Oh, and I've I've had to play I that game a few times. Confirmed it. Lo and behold, I didn't know this. Right. I, I listen. I can't govern your sexuality, sir. That's for you to do. 
Um, so we're in this, so, so we're in this like stock closet and he's like trying to scold me and I'm like, and I'm like consistent. I did see you at a party though, but I'm not lying. <laughs> and I'm and like, did, I did, and did. <laughs> and, and I'm like, so I said, so we're going to go to HR and talk about something that I did see you at a party. And I we're going to discuss reality. And from that moment on, he was able to turn the straight men in his department against me. Wow. So much so that they would not interact with me anymore. They would, when I would come around, like move away from me and and treat me different and tell other people, man, I don't want to hang around that faggot, but but never would say it Say to that, me. right. Like they would say, oh, he's messy. He was trying to out Vincent, which was the furthest thing from the truth. The truth right. was I saw you at a party and I was talking about it casually not thinking that it was a big deal. Right, but you didn't say you saw that nigga on Jacked. Yeah, I said I saw you at a party. And it just really sucks that the other people that had nothing to do with the conversation, that were there, dialed in, listening to every single word that I was saying, on the opposite end was able to turn around and then literally treat me like I was <laughs> the fucking bad stepchild. And they never spoke to me again. Like, like the straight wow. guys that worked in his department, like, oh, no, he's messy. He was lying on bits. And I was like, no, bro, like, that's not the case. Right. And it just sucked that these men band together to almost, like, put me in my place, if you will. That's, you, you know, the wildest thing about that. He could have been like, oh, yeah, I was at the party with my homeboy. And yeah. we... Pop through and Malik was there. Like, it didn't have to be a thing. I think that's what gives away a lot of those people that are afraid to, to you know, discuss their sexual orientation at, you know, at, at the workplace. Because I'm someone that I personally believe you don't have to do so because them niggas that work is them niggas that work. They're not your friends. They're not your family. Um, but if it does come up and you try to, like, and, and when I say come up, come up in a way to where it's obvious <laughs> yeah. And you try to deflect, and you try to to do all like me personally. If I was, if I would have been work, if I was working there at the time, I would have been like, "Why is this such a big deal?" Like, I said that. Like, why is like why does it matter that's how you're the party? Right. Oh, like, and then his response was, "Oh well, I don't mix work and uh, my personal time. It's separate." Oh. Uh, bitch, I didn't invite you. You didn't invite me. We ended up at the same place. Yeah. Like, that's I don't know. Um, that's annoying. I, I couldn't, I, luckily for me, I haven't had many experience, like many microaggressions or experiences where my sexual orientation has come into place at work. Um, I can only think of one time, um, <laughs> and it was, um, it was, I, cause normally whenever people, cause again, people tend to, I'm masculine presenting, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Um, but they're always like, oh, girlfriend, da da da. So this this lady <laughs> This lady was talking to me about like her vacation, da da da. And she was like, Oh, you and your girlfriend and it was and I knew she was being messy. I knew she was being messy, but I, I kinda like I ate it. Like I let her have it. because um, she was like, Oh, you know, you and your girlfriend should go there and I was like, Or boyfriend. And she was like, Oh, or boyfriend, and I was like, Boyfriend. Because I, I knew what she was trying to do, mm-hmm. and I, I knew where she was trying to take it, because we had already, like, we had already 
spoken in in regards to like just in in, in uh, previously like we didn't have a bad there was no bad blood and I don't even think she was trying to be like messy in a negative way I just think she was trying to like figure out if I was so I was like let me just give you what you want because you want to know because she she mentioned girlfriend like three different times like while telling me about this story about me and my girlfriend me and my girlfriend you and your girlfriend which a I wasn't even in a relationship with anyone so it's not even like you heard oh I he's messing with someone and you're you're curious you know what I mean like it was just you wanted to know if I was gay or not so I was like boyfriend it's boyfriend relax you you can chill you can chill like um, you know now <laughs> right like let it go sis let it go I'm gay like you know now Damn. let it go um, but ironically I can think of when I was younger I think is when I have had a lot of had to deal with a lot of those microaggressions in regards to my sexual orientation like again like i said i wanted to be britney spears when i was younger right like i <laughs> i and i and i'll never forget this <laughs> i was in the fourth grade um and my teacher was like you know discussing with everyone like what do you want to be when you get older da, 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 da. and i was like i want to be britney spears and she was she was she was a black woman she was mortified and I never forget, she pulled me to the side and she said, you can't be Britney Spears because Britney Spears is a girl and you're a boy. And I was like, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> like, yeah. I just want to, because in my head, all I was thinking was, I want to sing and dance. Exactly. I wasn't exactly. thinking I want to be a woman. Like, <laughs> that's not it. In my head, I was thinking, I want to sing and dance. And at that point for me, Britney Spears was it. So I was like, I want to be Britney Spears. And she pulled me, I'll never forget, she pulled me to the side and discussed with me why I couldn't be Britney Spears. And now thinking about it, bitch, I should have took your ass to HR. (laughs) If I'd have known better, I would have marched your happy ass on HR and be like, this bitch trying to tell me what I can and can't be. Y'all better get her before I do. (laughs) I'm a herder. Get her before I do. But I I didn't know any better. I had no clue of any better. Um, the only other times I can think of is at the barbershop, which is the oh breeding gosh. ground that is of homophobia for the black community. That is where that in church. I haven't had to deal with many. I didn't. I was. I didn't grow up in a church like that. <laughs> like I always say, my family is like religious when it counts. <laughs> like they're religious on like holidays and shit like that. But like outside of that, we're not like a a. a outs- well, that's okay. When I say family, I mean immediately immediate family because i have extended family that's super religious but them niggas don't pay my bills so i'm not worried about them <laughs> but the barbershop and it's funny because well not funny it's actually really disappointing and really sad um because i had a barber i had the same barber for five years straight while i lived in atlanta and you ever feel like wow i thought you knew me but you didn't know me yep my barber Four years into our bar relationship, which is, that's the longest relationship I've ever had with anyone. Like, four, well, a man, I should say. I, I've i never had a four, like, this was serious. This was your man, like, this is your barber. He cut my hair for prom. He, I'm lying, he didn't cut my hair for prom. He cut my hair when I moved back to, like, started cutting my hair when I moved back to Atlanta. Like, when I met Rihanna, he cut my hair, like, the three times i met rihanna he cut my hair like when i flew like every time i've traveled i've had to make sure i got my hair cut by the i literally gave him like extra tip 
the money like during Christmas time because I was like, you know, it's Christmas time. You throw your extra twenty. Merry Christmas, bro. Like, this was serious. Like this is your this father, right your relationship. So four years into, mind you, I knew everything about him. We had discussed family. We had discussed like all types of stuff. Because any anyone knows if your barber is truly your barber, y'all discuss more than just cutting your hair, right? Like mm-hmm. it goes in depth, right? So four years into cutting my hair now, we're having a discussion, and this feminine dude walks into the barbershop. Everyone gets uncomfortable. Uh, of course. Typical. Like everyone gets uncomfortable, and I wasn't even cognizant of it because I was getting my hair cut. And it wasn't until I looked up and like people had stopped talking, and like they put the play turned up the, the game really loud, and it was like really all of this over. And I was looking around like what happened, <laughs> like, and I see dude he has on makeup, um, he was fly, he was fly as shit. He looked yeah. great. But he was feminine. And he was going around asking, like, who still has more, like, you know, which is already an awkward experience in general. Like, asking who can, asking cut, who can cut your hair. Anyone that's had to go through that knows. It's nerve-wracking. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's anxiety-inducing. It's literally... It's literally like being the last person picked for kickball. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like having your tray and no one wants to give you a seat at the lunch table. It's mm-hmm. so uncomfortable, and which is weird because you're trying to, like, throw money at people. <laughs> so it's like you just need a service provided, and you're willing to pay, so it shouldn't be. But it's so uncomfortable. And he comes to my barber, and my barber's like, nah, I got heads. And he's cutting my hair, and then, like, he goes, man, I ain't trying to cut you know, that, that nigga's hair. He got makeup on. I just know that nigga a fag. Oh. Yeah. And I was like... You don't know me at all. I was like, whoa. Yeah. And then I, I and I remember like sitting up and I was like, you think that's cool to say? And I wasn't going to say anything because I, I genuinely was, and I didn't say anything until after I was done getting my hair cut. And I was like, you think that was cool to say? He's like, man, I don't got nothing against gay dude. You know, they always jump to that. I don't got nothing against gay dude. He was, he's a um, Muslim. He's a, a, a when I say Muslim, I'm talking of a minister Farrakhan Muslim. Yeah. One of those Muslims. Um, uh-huh. The nation of Islam. Right. The nation mm-hmm. of niggas. Um, <laughs> 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 so, um, I, but I was like, that wasn't cool. And he was like, man, I got nothing against it. And I was like, yeah. I was like, just be more mindful of your clientele because you never know whose hair you're cutting. And I, and I didn't get my hair cut by him for like a month and a half. And I was like, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. But then, like, <laughs> after, like, three bad haircuts, I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going back. I'm going back. <laughs> I was like, I'm going back because I need my haircut properly. But And it's funny because we never discussed it after that. And But the one thing I will say is he had gay clientele after that. Like, he, one of the guys' hair he was cutting I knew for a fact was gay. And the next time a gay dude walked into the shop, like a feminine dude, I should say, an obviously gay dude, he didn't say anything disrespectful. And I even remember one of the articles he he showed me, because like I said, he was part of the Nation of Islam, but he was like really involved in it. It was like about like the LGBT community and like the, they were doing something good with the LGBT community. And he was like, he was like, man, look at that. And I was like, oh, you must be proud. Like, <laughs> look at you, feel like you did something. So... I don't know. That that's the only thing that I can 
think of as far as uh microaggressions microaggressions yes yeah i mean we've all had the barbershop thing luckily my dad used to always come to the barbershop with me right and the one time um and i think my dad came specifically for that reason because he knew that people used to like try like used to try me because i guess like i don't have the deepest voice um you know and i growing up i wanted to be beyonce Bitch just knew, you just like, knew you were Sasha Fierce. <laughs> like I just knew, I knew, I knew, I knew it, and you know. So I think my dad really protected me in that way. Like always coming to the shop with me to ensure that nobody ever like fucked with me. So like I really appreciate that. But I remember there was there was this one time that someone did say something to me. He's like, "Man, I don't want to cut your your son's soft ass hair." And my dad was like, "Wow, nigga, what the fuck you say?" Wow. And I mean, went ham and i was just sitting there like oh oh wow is this shit like this is deep like whoa i i'm just sitting down and my dad just asked who can cut my son's hair and that was someone's response and it was like damn like bro what the fuck Wow. Why all of that? And I think that's why the, the, the barbershop experience and for for those of you out there that might not that aren't queer and you especially if you're not a, a gay black man, I'm specifying because white barbershops I know aren't like that it's not the same hyper masculine um, hypersexual experience. It's just yeah. not. I know that for a fact because like I said, I grew up around a bunch of white boys and I used to go to their barbershops with them not to get my hair cut because I knew. That's not happening. <laughs> but I would go with them. And it was it's a totally different experience. But the the that experience, especially growing up in it, and I think that's the, the, the most heartbreaking part of it is because as as black boys, you get your hair cut in the barbershop. Yeah. So you grow up in a space and you're comfortable until a point when you're not. And then when you're not, you still have no choice but to but go to there. Go. Right. Yeah. So it, it really can be, and, and I see it all the time, because I'm not going to lie, I used to do it, like, I used to butch myself up. Like, I <laughs> I used to, I yeah, used to drive to, to the barbershop <laughs> blasting Rihanna and Beyonce and, and, you know, everything else, getting my life, singing ballads, and as soon as that car door opened, trade. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, the voice gets deeper. The only, you know what started really giving it away for me? I wear tight pants. I don't, I'm trying to get away from it now just because I'm switching up my style. But I, and you I take, tight pants though. Th- you know, thank you so much. It's the legs. legs. I was going to say those you. legs. It's the legs. I got some, listen, God didn't do a lot, but he did that. Like he gave <laughs> me some nice legs. So the, the, the fact that I wear tighter clothing, well, used to, I'm kind of switching up my style, like I said, and I take really good care of myself. Like, I remember one time I was in a barbershop and I was, like, discussing uh, one of the hair, because there was a hairdresser in there, and I was discussing, like, beauty stuff, like, face stuff, and everyone was just staring at me, like, why do you know so much about, like, skincare and, like, you know, what oils and stuff, to, like, almond oil and all that stuff, and it was so funny, because I said to my, my, my barber, <laughs> he goes, nah, he, re- he real, that almond oil shit is good for your face, <laughs> and <laughs> it was so funny, because everyone was staring at me, like, why the hell does this thing up, but... Again, take care of yourself. It doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is. 
take care of yourself. Take care of your skin. Take care of your hair. Your beard included. Take care of yourself. Health is wealth. Self-care is important. Right. So that is it for this week's show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much, as always, for supporting, for listening, for tweeting. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Um, please send us emails if you have any questions for us. Uh, we are wrapping up this year. To let you guys know, we have one more episode coming, and then we'll be taking a bit of a break to um, get some things situated. So if yes. there's anything you would like to hear from us before the year is over, if there's anything you want us to touch on, anything you want us to discuss, any topics even that you are hopeful you'll hear from um, hear us discuss, um, please be sure to email us. The all that information is in the um, info box. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is Vaughn V A U N at growingupgay.com or Malik at growingupgay.com if you'd like to email either one of us. Um, or if you'd like to email the show, the email for that is in the information bar as well. So thank you guys so much for listening and we hope you have a wonderful microaggression free <laughs> day. All right. Bye. She know you that bitch when you cause all this conversation. She know you that bitch when you cause all this conversation. She know you that bitch when you cause all this conversation.